Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W-A-B-E in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. The Atlanta Symphony Orchestra has announced that its new music director will be Natalie Stutzmann. She has an illustrious international career as a conductor and singer and is in town to conduct the ASO in concert tonight. She joins me now via Zoom. Maestra, welcome to City Lights. Thank you. And congratulations. We are thrilled about this news. You said that there was a special chemistry between you and the orchestra that you all immediately recognized. How was that chemistry revealed? Music is such a language. It's such an exchange of energy between the conductor and the orchestra. When you come for the first time as a guest conductor, like I came here in Atlanta, you don't know, you have 100 people in front of you and that you never met. And our common language is the music. And uh, you, you immediately feel when the kind of work you propose, the way you, you have the concept of music, how, what is music for you and how you want to share it. It's an exchange of energy. It's an exchange of ideas. And I felt immediately that the kind of work I love to do, which is very intense, very demanding, but totally devoted to music was actually what they were looking for. And that's what I love with them. They are really what I call true musicians because they are not only technicians, but a true musician is someone who cares first about the music, to serve the music, and who knows that it needs a lot of work, a lot of time, but a, an incredible pleasure of music making because we need beauty and music is just bringing only good things. Mm. Orchestra conductors usually were instrumental musicians before taking to the podium. We don't often hear about singers as orchestra conductors. You have a distinguished career in opera, recital, and as a solo concert singer. How does being a singer inform your role as an orchestra conductor? It's quite unique. I'm wondering why it's so unique, because I think it's, a, it's one of the greatest help I have is my voice. I can share what I learned all my life, how to shape my instrument to the musician. So I can easily, instead of describing things with words, just sing a phrase with the emotions, the colors I'm looking for, and they immediately understand and they enjoy. <laughs> Instead of listening to me talking, they enjoy to listen to me singing. But luckily enough, I was also an instrumentalist when I, I started at seven, the piano, which was my main instrument, but I also was a, a viola cello player and a bassoon player. So that helps a lot for my work now as a conductor. Oh, I can imagine. No doubt members of the ASO Chorus are elated with your appointment as music director. 
Choral music has a strong tradition here in Atlanta. What are your hopes for the ASO Chorus? Oh, I'm just so impatient to, to work with them. I mean, of course, choral music has a very special place in my heart. I just can't wait to, to work with them. We are going to perform the Mozart Requiem next March, and I just can't wait. I mean, it's just one of the strong points which attracts me so much here is this uh, fantastic choir, certainly one of the best of the country. And it's obviously very comfortable uh, range for me. And also I know, I know them, I know what they need. I know how to help them, how to guide them. I can show them everything they need. And it's of course a joy. And it's probably the thing we missed mostly during the, the pandemic. They were so silent for two years. So I think it will be such a joy to be back with choral music. And I, I will program a lot of choral music for the next season as well, because we need them. Oh, yes. I love something I read about you. A music critic in Philadelphia wrote, you play the orchestra as a piano. <laughs> he goes on to say, with such a fine degree of control, that you were acting with the single-minded will of a pianist. You mentioned studying piano and cello and bassoon. What did you think about being compared to a pianist when you were on the podium for that program? Well, you know, uh, when you are a pianist, that's always my main instrument and why I, I still play it and love it. It's, it's just because you have... It's, it's actually the only instrument as a soloist where you can have the full orchestra in your hands in a way that you have so many voices you can play. I loved really this comparison that he gave because it says it all. It says that actually, you know, you play with the voices of the orchestra like as a pianist, you decide that, okay, I have five notes to play, but which one is the most important in this moment? Which one would I like people to hear? Which color would I give to this note, to the second note for the audience? And, and this is actually a beautiful uh, way of describing how I love to interact with the orchestra musicians and give them the habits to listen to each other and to pass the ball to each other, depending who is playing what and what is more important than, than something. Because, you know, when you play in an orchestra, imagine you're sitting, you play one line and you have so many people playing around you. And as a conductor, you, are, you know every part of every musician. So you are like the magic, you know, you're just thinking, oh, this is more important, this is less. And you have to tell them and help them to listen. Well, how lucky are those musicians? They get to hear a, a world-renowned contralto sing a line and then hear you conceive approaching a score as a pianist. You have a very busy musical life as principal guest conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra, as well as chief conductor of the Kristiansand Symphony Orchestra in Norway. How will you divide your time among these ensembles? Well, you know, for a conductor, we, we love to have a home and we love to have orchestras, families. In our days, it's thanks to the flying, we can have one or two families, <laughs> which was more difficult in the past because of the, the time the traveling are taking. Uh, for me, it's, it's important to, to keep an orchestra in Europe because, you know, I think every school, every sound, every habits are different. And I think what the musicians here in Atlanta likes is also that I'm bringing this experience I have from Europe and they bring me the experience from America. And I have also this with the Philadelphia Orchestra. So actually, I am used to be a busy person. I will, of course, dedicate the maximum of time to Atlanta as a music director. It's my will and um, it's the fun of it. Of course, next season, I will have a bit less presence than the, the full time of a music director because I already have a lot of engagements, including the Metropolitan Opera. I have four opera productions to conduct, plus my two other orchestras. So 
of course, it would be a bad sign if I would have no engagements, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, of course, I am someone with a lot of energy and I think the musicians knows that I always give 100% in every rehearsal. It sounds like the energy is more like 500%. You also had a recording with your singing come out earlier this year, Vivaldi Arias. Yeah. And a second one coming out. So you managed to find time to record and sing as well. The announcement of your appointment as music director mentions that you are only the second woman to lead a major American orchestra. Recently, there has been greater attention to programming works by women composers, such as the 19th century French composer Louise Farranc and the 20th century American composer Florence Price, to name just two, is showcasing music of female composers a priority for your concert programs? Well, you know, I think it's wonderful to see that the music of those two composers are now coming to the ears of the audience because they were completely in the shadow and they have great talent. So I'm very happy to see that actually what everything which is happening in life, in the society, has an impact on orchestra's programmation and the way we are a part of the city, we are a part of the life, and we have to think about all communities around. And it's our duty also to open the doors and just open the repertoire. So I won't say it's a priority, but I'm very happy tonight to conduct a concerto from Missy Mazzoli, who is a young uh, American female composer, which I really like. And she will be with us in town. She's doing the traveling especially for this concert. And um, it's, it's a work that I co-commissioned with my orchestra in Norway and that I am so happy to bring here. So it will be, of course, a part of our work to continue in that sense to discover great works. But of course, there is a danger to think that uh, we are going to perform female composers because they are female composers. As a conductor, I don't want to be hired because I am a woman. I want to be hired for my work. Uh, to be the maestro is a profession, is a position, is a function. And uh, it's the same for the composers. If I hired and if I play a new work of a female composer, it's because I think it's great. I think that's worthy of a bravo. In addition to Missy Mazzoli's composition on tonight's program, there are two intensely romantic works, the overture to Verdi's opera, The Power of Destiny, La Forza del Destino, and Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. 5. How does it feel to be on the podium conducting these marvelous works, knowing that now you will be music director of this orchestra? Oh, it's a very special moment, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a very exciting week, but I feel also uh, the joy, the incredible joy around the expectations as well. So I take it very seriously. It's a big responsibility as well, especially when you take the lead after the tenure of 20 years from a great conductor like Robert Spano. So he has been here for such a long time. That it means a lot for the musicians, for the board members, for everyone to choose me. And uh, I understand this. And I, I am, of course, very, very happy and honored. And it's funny because this program we build up without knowing anything. And uh, I couldn't have been more lucky to, first of all, to be the fifth music director and conduct Tchaikovsky 5 with the main theme is about destiny. And that's why I choose the Verdi Uber to it's because... It's just saying, how do we deal every day with our destiny? Do we decide or is there someone else who has decided and we have to follow this?
So to have this <laughs> power of the destiny on the concert where the day I'm nominated music director is really extraordinary. Oh, the stars aligned. Exactly. <laughs> Our radio station, WABE, has been broadcasting the Atlanta Symphony Concert since 1974. And we feel a proud, familial connection to the orchestra. Maestro, on behalf of all of us here, congratulations and welcome. Thank you so much for your kind words. Natalie Stutzmann makes her appearance as the ASO Music Director designate tonight, conducting the overture to Verdi's opera La Forza del Destino, The Power of Destiny, Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 5, and a recent work by the American composer Missy Mazzoli, titled Dark with Excessive Bright. More information will be on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. In a moment, we'll listen back to some of my conversation with the actor and comedian Tim Meadows. But first, if you are just tuning in, this is City Lights on 90.1. I'm Lois Wrights. Thanks so much for listening. Big news we just heard, and here's some more great news. We're doing something really great, and it's a first for WABE. Here to tell us more is City Lights producer Summer Evans. That's right, Lois. Today only, we're partnering with the Lifeline Animal Project. The partnership works like this. Your one donation equals one pet adoption. It's as simple as that. We're talking about the adoption of dogs, cats, but also rabbits, pigs, and maybe the occasional goat. If you're not familiar with the work of Lifeline, they care for nearly 40,000 animals a year in shelters, clinics, and communities. Please take a moment to help power WABE and give an animal a home by donating at wabe.org donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. This is Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. During this time when misinformation and disinformation are confused with facts, it's essential to have a reliable source of fact-based news and information. WABE gives you all of that. Help us be here for you. If you can afford to make a donation, I urge you to do it. You can even do it now by going to wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. Yes, as Terry was just saying, fact-based news is essential. When you want to know what's going on around the world or right here in Atlanta, don't you appreciate or even rely on WABE? City Lights is your reliable resource for breaking arts news and conversations, like the one you just heard with the new music director of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, Natalie Stutzmann. So why not take a moment to donate? Maybe this is your first time giving to WABE. You'll find it really as easy at wabe.org slash donate or when you call 678 553 9090. Thank you. Also, when you become a WABE sustaining member, you'll never need to ask, well, when was the last time I gave? Once you set it up, your membership is always up to date, and you can contact us at any time if you need to make changes. We suggest $10 a month because it seems to be the most comfortable level for new sustainers, and it really is the best way to give. It allows us to amplify the voices of Atlanta. Please give at the level that seems right for you at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
When you give to WABE as a new sustainer at $10 a month, we'd like to thank you with our classic Forever I Love Atlanta mug. It features hand-drawn designs of some of Atlanta's most familiar and iconic landmarks, along with the WABE logo, and it was designed by Atlanta artist India Nabarro. It's yours as a monthly donor at just $10 a month, or with a one-time gift of $120. Most importantly, when you donate to WABE right now, it helps us amplify the voices of Atlanta. Please give. It only takes a moment at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. My name is Nancy Slater, and I live in Stonecrest, Georgia. So I'm a monthly donor that decided to increase my monthly donation, not by a lot, but it was what I could afford if I am going to be able to hear the programs that are national and international and local that I love, I must be willing to contribute for the expense of those programs. And that's why I remain a monthly donor, but also increased my donation. Thank you, Nancy. And thanks for increasing your monthly donation. If you are a monthly donor and you've been giving at that level for a while, please take a moment to join Nancy and increase your gift. It's so important. In fact, 84% of our funding comes from your generous donations. Nearly every year, WABE has to pay increased costs for shows like All Things Considered, Morning Edition, and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And giving just a dollar or two more each week will really help us. Just tell the operator you'd like to increase your monthly gift when you call 678-553-9090. Thanks. Thanks to everyone who is giving right now during City Lights. Because of this partnership with Lifeline Animal Project, your one donation equals one pet adoption. Please take a moment to help us maximize the potential of today's partnership, where you can give a home to an Atlanta shelter animal who needs one. You can do this by going to wabe.org donate. And pass along the news by telling a pet-loving friend what we're doing right now. But remember, this partnership only lasts today. If you don't want to donate online, you can also give by calling 678-553-9090. Thanks. Support for today's community partnership between WABE and Lifeline Animal Project is provided by a generous grant from Petco Love. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzis. Thank you for being here. During his 30-plus years in comedy, actor Tim Meadows has played a high school principal in Mean Girls, an important client in The Office, and a cannibal on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. When Meadows joined me in the studio a few years ago, he explained the inspiration behind his infamous Saturday Night Live character, the ladies' man. I used to make prank phone calls to radio stations like your this one here. Not this one, but other radio stations. I wish you had. Oh, yeah. I can do it later if you want. Please do. I'll call you. Uh, and I used to, I would, uh, my goal when I would make the calls was to stay on the line as long as possible. So I would 
uh, try to have a normal conversation, but I didn't want them to know it was Tim Meadows, so I just sort of came up with this voice, and I would call radio stations and go, yeah, listen, this is the uh, James Jonathan, and <laughs> I was wondering, I want to talk about politics, you know, like, why do Democrats and, and uh, Republicans fight so much? I will uh, hang up the phone and listen to your answer, you know. So I would do stuff like that, or I would call a pizza. You know, I would order food for the uh, pleasure of my ex-wife for her entertainment. I would do that voice when I ordered the pizza. And then when the people would come to the door, they were expecting this guy who would talk like this. You know, <laughs> he was like, yeah, i take a pizza. And give me, ep- how much of the extra pepperoni? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, well, listen. Give me three quarters of extra pepperoni, and then can I have some of those raw? Just basically, just give me a bag of pepperoni. <laughs> well, I'll put them on myself, and, and and then I'd answer the door and go, "Hi, how are you?" And they'd be looking for this other guy, you know. Oh, you'd let them down. I let them down. Yes. The ladies' man was so popular with viewers that Leon's role was adapted for the big screen, mm-hmm. and. I was hoping you could tell us about the process of turning the popular SNL sketch into a full-length film. Well, uh, it was hard. (laughs) It was hard. It was uh, because the thing that we had going for us, the two writers, Andrew uh, Steele and Dennis McNicholas, um, was that we hadn't given away a lot of personal backstory on Leon Phelps. So the radio show was basically what you would know him for. And so we sort of played with the idea of, well, what is his life like outside of the radio station? Uh, you know, instead of doing like a, uh, you know, biography sort of movie of this is how he's game this guy, we started with him already having the radio show and, and being popular. And so we just tried to, like, create this personal life. And uh, we came up with the ideas that – Obviously, he has a lot of ladies, and he has, you know, sex a lot. Um, <laughs> Very experienced. Yes, but his his advice is horrible, <laughs> and the uh, the way that he advises people to go about meeting men to go about meeting women uh, is really like low rent. Like he would say, the best p- place to meet a woman is in a bus station, at a uh, <laughs> because they're. Um, they're uh, so happy to be in the big city, you know, and you can be the one who, you know, you always have an opening when you have women who are at a bus station. And doesn't he recommend within the bus station near the bathroom? Is yeah, if you're lucky, you can hopefully make love near the bus station bathroom. <laughs> uh, or at stadiums, he would like to, he would meet women at the nacho cart. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But uh, so so we sort of just kind of came up with the backstory that he had the radio station in the uh, show and he lost it, and that um, he also had a a lot of women and their husbands or boyfriends were fed up with um, these affairs that he was having and they were coming for him. Mm-hmm. So we tried to have that, and then we tried to also just make it silly too. Um, the good part. Yeah, it was good. I mean, uh, Andrew Steele wrote this really funny dance number for the men, for Will Ferrell and the guys that wanted to kill Ladies Man. And it comes from out of nowhere. And it's like a Bugsby Berkeley musical, mm-hmm. sort of like. And that's you don't see that in SNL movies or whatever. And so we, we really did just try to, you know, uh Try to find. We tried to find these different things that can make the movie silly, and the character. He also had to be likable. Oh, he's very likable. But he's despicable in his behavior. Yeah, which makes me wonder: with the Me Too movement, um, is bringing back the ladies' man impossible to resurrect? I mean, that's not going to happen now. I I don't know. I think the character is likable enough that you sort of forgive him for his stupidity. Uh, and Lauren gave me a really nice compliment. This is Lauren, Lauren Michaels. Yeah, Lauren Michaels. He said the character is despicable, but you, Tim Meadows, you're very likable. So it's really – and that's the same um, sort of note I've gotten um, from people who've seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 
um, and I play this cannibal. A likable cannibal. Very, and he he's eating children. That was that was what he did, but he's just such a nice guy. Uh, Andy Sandberg's character, he needed him when he was in prison during that segment. But um, I think I could probably still get away with a lot of the same stuff because I think people know it's just ridiculous. It's you just know. fun. Tim, you're among a small group of famous comedians with regular gigs in New York, L.A., Chicago, mm-hmm. who make time to perform in Atlanta at Dad's. Why is that important to you? Well, first, I love improv. I, it's how I got started. I did. I worked at Improv Olympic in Chicago and Second City. Yes. And also just the idea of seeing something that I was a part of 20, 30 years ago, which is long-form improv, to see that continue on in different cities and different countries. And, you know, they do it. They have improv festivals all the time now. And so to see that makes me feel good, you know. And to see these other people have fallen in love with doing this art form makes me feel good. And I just want to support this theater, you know. It's like it's a joy of mine to come every couple years and – either do a fundraiser or do a show with them, you know, because they're really, they're good people, and it's never not fun. Actor Tim Meadows. You can hear that interview in its entirety on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. Coming up, we'll hear about the launch of the digital story tour touching up our roots. But first... If you are just tuning in, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes with producer Summer Evans. Today, during the fall fundraiser, when you give, you're supporting City Lights. And also, your one donation equals one pet adoption. Please take a moment to give at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090, 678-553-9090. We're able to offer this because of our partnership with Lifeline Animal Project. They place nearly 9,000 animals into homes each year. Each adoption includes vaccinations, microchip, spay or neuter, and the adoption fee, and those services can value up to $250. When you give to WABE right now, you'll also be giving a shelter animal a new home. Please donate at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. My name is Malka Shulman, and I live in Sandy Springs, Georgia. I appreciate Lois and all of the culture that she brings to the forefront. She asks great questions. She highlights all of the cool, interesting, cultural things that are going on in the city that if I wasn't listening to her show, I don't know that I would know about. Lois brings it to me, like on a silver platter. Well, WABE and I certainly appreciate you, Malka. And it's no surprise that members like you actually provide that silver platter. Member support makes all the cultural discoveries you'll find on City Lights possible. Your donation right now ensures that our show can continue to shine a light on Atlanta's rich culture of theater, music, film, and so much more. Simply choose to give by visiting us at wabe.org slash donate or Call 678-553-9090. Thanks. Right now, we're asking you to think about what WABE really means to you and donate accordingly. Only on City Lights can you hear conversations like the one with comedian Tim Meadows discussing his impersonation of the ladies' man and his cannibal character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Of course, Tim can even make a cannibal seem likable and funny. So why not give about 33 cents per day? That's about $10 a month. 
We suggest this amount because it seems to be the most comfortable level for a new monthly donor or sustainer. Let me ask, have you been meaning to give? You've heard these member drives come and go, and you know you've wanted to help out, but you just didn't find the time. And we understand that. But what about right now? Think of these 33 cents as the price of keeping you informed, or a continuing education class, or a companion as you drive. Your gift helps us amplify the voices of Atlanta. So please take a moment to donate at 678-553-9090 or give online at wabe.org donate. Take your love of WABE on the road. And when you give at our basic level of just $5 a month, why not pick up our brand new WABE car decal? This oval sticker features the WABE logo and 90.1, so you can let everyone on your commute know how much you value NPR. This vinyl cling decal is also reversible, allowing you to put it on the inside of a window or on the outside of your favorite water bottle. It's yours with a monthly gift of $5 or a one-time gift of $60. When you donate to WABE right now, it helps us amplify the voices of Atlanta. Please give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-1990. Thank you. My name is Ashley Derrick, and I live in the East Lake neighborhood of Atlanta. I'm a Cornerstone member because I should be. I, I don't think that I should get it for free. It's something really when you listen to every day, day and night, on the weekends, you really want to be able to support your local radio station. And so $100 a month rather than 30 or 40 for us, it was not a huge jump, and we felt like WAB deserved it. Like Ashley Derrick, when you become a Cornerstone Society member, your donation can help WABE do even more for our community. Please give now at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090, 678-553-9090. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who is giving right now during City Lights. Because of this partnership we have today with Lifeline Animal Project, your one donation equals one pet adoption. If you don't know the group well, Lifeline cares for nearly 40,000 animals a year in their shelters, clinics, and communities. Please take a moment to give right now at wabe.org donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thanks. Support for today's community partnership between WABE and Lifeline Animal Project is provided by a generous grant from Petco Love. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. We are going to look at the history of Atlanta Pride and how far we've come in the last 50 years. Joining me now via Zoom are the LGBTQ activist and founder of Touching Up Our Roots, Dave Hayward, with Dr. Eric Solomon. Emory Visiting Assistant Professor of American Studies and English. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor to be here. Yes. Dave, how does it feel to celebrate 50 years of pride in Atlanta? <laughs> um, well, I was used to being the youngest person in the room when I got started at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. So that was a long time ago, <laughs> 50 years ago, no longer the youngest person in the room. I'm gratified and kind of amazed that it's been this long. And I was actually not here until October of 1971. So um, I do know all the people that started everything and want to talk about the incredible challenges they had that they overcame. One of them, of course, Lois, you knew well, Burl Boykin. Yes. You recently wrote an article in the Georgia Voice about Atlanta's LGBTQ response to Stonewall. Would you talk about that article? Yes. 
there wasn't that much of a response to Stonewall immediately. And Burl Boykin, who I just mentioned, he was one of the uh, founders of Atlanta Pride. And he did say that they were very aware of Stonewall happening and that that emboldened them. And then we had our own little sort of Stonewall happening when a Solicitor General's office raided the NC Mall mini cinema showing of Andy Warhol's Lonesome Cowboys. And that was on August 5th, 1969. So that was basically six weeks after Stonewall and just a huge uproar of the police coming in and stopping the movie and interrogating the people and photographing everyone and arresting the projectionist. And then that was really the catalyst for uh, things to happen here uh, for the Georgia Gay Liberation Front to come into being. Very similar to the uh, raid they had on the Atlanta Eagle, which was on September 10th, 2009. Eric, how did you and Dave first connect? It's a sort of COVID story on some level. So Dave and I met right before the world shut down in in March of 2020 at the Emory Pride Awards. Dave was on hand to bestow an award named in honor of Burl Boykin, the co-founder of Touching Up Our Roots. And uh, I was there to receive an award named in honor of Sarah Lynn Chestnut, who was the first director of Emory's Office of LGBT Life. And so we met and connected and anyone who knows Dave knows that he is a relentless networker. And slowly from that first meeting, Dave brought to my attention the story tour that he had conducted live, which tells uh, the story of the sites and people important to Atlanta queer history. And slowly we began to develop a digital version of the tour. That's really the project, you know, as touching up our roots since 2002, really the imperative, the ethic of the initiative, it really has been about the intergenerational transmission of knowledge and history. And as Dave is in his early 70s and I'm in my early 30s, it's just been an amazing partnership to record his story and uh, the, the, you know, the story of Queer Atlanta through his eyes over the last 50 years. It's TURQueerAtlanta.org, which launches this Friday. Wonderful. I was hoping you would talk about the importance of the intergenerational aspect. Eric, you're in your early 30s. Dave recently celebrated his 72nd birthday. Why is that crucial to this history? I think that there is a responsibility that we have as generations of gay men to those generations that have come before on whose shoulders we stand. But also in my early 30s now, I understand there are younger generations of queer people who are looking to me and and seeking advice, and I'm experiencing a lot of that for the first time. It's just important to document these stories and to preserve these voices of queer Atlantans, of the sites through which queer Atlantans have moved, so that we can preserve it for uh, the future generations and that we can understand how we're all connected. And Marie, visiting assistant professor of American studies and English, Dr. Eric Solomon. He was joined by Dave Hayward, the LGBTQ activist and founder of Touching Up Our Roots. The launch of that digital story tour will be available tomorrow, October 15th. More information will appear on our website wabe.org slash city lights. If you are just tuning in, I'm Lois Reitzes. Thanks for listening. WABE is a public service broadcaster for Metro Atlanta, and we're leaning into that mission right now. Here to tell us more is City Lights producer Summer Evans. That's right, Lois. This is the first time we've ever done something like this during our membership drive. And here's how it works. Your one donation equals one pet adoption. It's as simple as that. And this is thanks to our partnership right now with Lifeline Animal Project, the largest animal welfare organization in Georgia. Please take a moment to help power WABE and give an animal a real home with your gift at wabe.org slash donate. Incidentally, every adoption includes vaccinations, microchip, 
spay or neuter, and the adoption fee. And these services are valued at $250. But you can help a cat, dog, bunny, or any pet at their organization get adopted by calling 678-553-9090 and donating. Support for today's community partnership between WABE and Lifeline Animal Project is provided by a generous grant from Petco Love. This is Gabe. Hi. Earlier this year, Gabe was browsing a popular social media site when a joke somebody posted about donating to public radio caught his eye. Later down in the comments, I saw that he said that he would donate, but he can't really afford to. So Gabe committed an act of public radio kindness. And I was like, I will donate for you how much in which station. I guess that was my way of just paying for his experience of NPR. Hey y'all, Sam Sanders here from NPR. Acts of public radio kindness happen every day. When you donate to this public radio station, your support goes straight to the stories we tell and the people who tell them. You are committing an act of public radio kindness for everyone who listens, whether your neighbors or complete strangers. So give right now to keep news, information, and kindness flowing. And you can continue that act of kindness by giving at wabe.org slash donate. Or by calling 678-553-9090. This can be a kind act for yourself or, as Sam Sanders was saying, for someone who simply cannot afford to give right now. In case you were wondering, 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. So we rely on the generosity of our listeners to continue to bring you informative and entertaining programs such as City Lights. Also, if you are giving for someone else or in memory of someone, Please let us know about it when you make your donation at wabe.org slash donate. We would love to hear from you. Thank you. We really do want to hear from you. And when you do, consider becoming a sustaining member at just $10 a month. It really is the best way to give. And here's why. That $10 may seem so small, but it allows us to make future plans more accurately when we've got a commitment from a listener like you. We suggest $10 a month because that's about the amount that seems to work best for most of our listeners. But look, you know what works for you financially, and we only ask you to give as generously as you can at wabe.org donate. It helps us not just pay for City Lights. It will help WABE amplify the voices of Atlanta. And you can do so by donating at wabe.org donate or call 678 553 9090. And really, thank you. This year marks 50 years of NPR. To commemorate this, we'd like to offer you a very special thank you gift with your donation of just $10 a month, the NPR 50th Anniversary Mug. This 11-ounce, two-tone mug is red on the inside, white on the outside, and features the NPR 50th Anniversary Commemorative logo. It's yours right now with a new monthly gift of $10 or a one-time gift of $120. Your donation helps WABE pay for the programs you value, and it also helps us amplify the voices of Atlanta. Please make your gift right now at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Thank you. My name is Lisa Duncan, and I live in Sandy Springs. I increased my monthly donation because I understand how expensive these programs are to produce, that it's not an easy thing. And I appreciate the work that you do. And I appreciate the research that goes into it. If I get a raise, you get a raise. That's pretty much my formula. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa does make a good point. The programs you love while free to you are not actually free. WABE pays for them. And like most things we value, Those prices do go up. With your donation, you can continue to hear programs you love, like City Lights. We want to continue to be the radio show you tune to for arts and culture news. 
the place where you can learn more about Atlanta's diverse community, such as the 50th anniversary of the Atlanta Pride March and the prominent LGBTQ plus leaders who organized in 1971. If you are already a sustainer, consider how much value you get from WABE, and you'll probably find that an additional dollar or two, while not much, can do so much more when you increase your monthly gift by just that small amount. You can do so at this specific site, wabe.org slash upgrade, or tell the operator you'd like to upgrade when you call 678 553 9090 Thanks. We're doing something really special right now during this fall fundraiser because when you give right now, your one donation equals one pet adoption. These adoptions with Lifeline Animal Project will happen over Black Friday weekend at their three different locations. So please lend a hand right now before the day gets away from you and call 678 553 or go to wabe.org slash donate. Thanks. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., Atlanta-based jazz pianist Joe Alterman joins us. He'll talk about his new album, The Upside of Down. Our theme music is the first time written and performed by Joe Granston with his jazz band, courtesy of Hot Shoe Records. City Light's senior producer is Kim Drobes. Summer Evans is our producer, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzes. We want you to connect with City Lights on social media. Share your feedback with us on Facebook at WABE City Lights or check out our pictures and videos on Instagram where we are at City Lights underscore Lois Reitzes. And of course, I would absolutely love it if you'd follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thank you for listening to WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.